Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Drive Driver Talks podcast, episode six. Today, we have Osnir from Academic Driving. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. Thanks, you. I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah, and of course, we've got Charles North alongside me. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you, Alex? Doing great. Thank you. So, so Os, um, as most people would want to know, we want to know, like, where are you from? Like, where do you live and all that stuff? Uh, so, uh, I was born in Ukraine, so that's Central European state. Uh, they, that was the place I was brought up, uh, graduated university. Then I moved to Poland, and right now I'm living in Poland. Um, and I'm working for, for Lazowski University there and for Coventry University um, there as well uh, in Warsaw. So, yeah, I, I can say that I'm the resident of the European Union who, at this particular moment of time, uh, stays in, in Warsaw in Poland. Nice. Yeah, I think that, you know, Poland is somewhat, I mean, that region of Europe is somewhat underestimated because there are a lot of adventures um, going on there and the life is interesting uh, and creative. So that's, what that's makes what I like. life interesting there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The life is dynamic. So it means that, you know, come on, guys, 30 years ago, that was, you know, the, the area of socialism. And uh, this area is still in transition. Yeah. So this area, when we say it sketches up with the West, with, with the US, with Western European standards. And it's very um, you know, interesting to observe how they do, how they, they do catch up, uh, how do they how do they want to compress like three centuries in 30 years? So come on, guys, that's you know the dynamics is outstanding. It's you know it's very creative. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool, actually. Good to know. That's good to know. And uh, for what other people want to know, like what do you do? Like what's your job? What do you like to do with stuff like that? You know. Uh, okay, uh, so uh, in, uh, on a daily basis, I'm a I'm lecturer and researcher. So I, I'm lecturing uh, in international relations and, and geopolitics. Um, and also I'm researching that stuff uh, with a focus on, on European Union and Eastern Europe, Russian foreign policy. But that's the boring stuff I do for a living. While, okay. um, uh, other than that, you know, um, I'm happy to be on drive tripe and I'm happy to to speak to very curious people and creative people, people who admire cars and engineering behind that and the culture behind it. Uh, so um, and I would like to contribute to these people. I'm exchanging with thoughts. I'm just I'm trying to combine my uh, knowledge uh, from from science, my curiosity. Uh, with cars, and I'm trying sometimes to present different scientific discoveries on the cars. For instance, you have the design as it is on in cars. You know, why was this kind yeah. of design invented? Or, or, you know, internal combustion engine. Come on, guys. I mean, it took like thousands of years and thousands of engineers who who were investing their lives in this piece of machinery. So I'm I'm just trying, I'm just mm. emphasizing that stuff. So the car it's the masterpiece of humankind because I mean, so many people invested their lives in making this box on wheels operational. And I'm trying to yeah. bring this to yeah. light. 
Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I do for for drive type, and that's what I like doing, honestly, more than yeah. just. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> Man, that's a great yeah, right. kind of like kind of logic behind what you're doing with cars, kind of combining your two passions together, kind of with cars, and then mm-hmm. all your kind of technical side with all the sciences and all of that, throwing it all together and. Your articles do really well. Most of your articles on here get like 60, 70 bumps each. They do um, really well. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Um, I mean, uh, when I'm writing articles, I'm trying to be as original as possible. Um, I mean, sometimes it works out. <laughs> Let's put it this yeah. way. Yeah. And also, and also, I am happy the the Drive Tribe team, you know, they pay attention to what I'm writing and to what Matt Parsons uh, sketches because I'm working uh, with an illustrator from South Africa with Matt Parsons. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we got in touch with one another on Drive Tribe. Yeah. Th- right. They're really good about keeping up with what goes where and promoting it to the right places and all that, making sure it gets the most reach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, indeed. It is. Yeah. And uh, we, we see you wrote also uh, the introduction to academic driving, stories of cars and science right here. I got a copy. And uh, what inspired you to write it? What inspired you to write it? When did I write it? No, what inspired you to write it? Ah, oh, I mean, uh, we, might, we should start from uh, the question what inspired me to join? Drive tribe, yeah. So I was actually scrolling on Facebook, okay. and just you know, I noticed, you know, like Jeremy Clarkson pointing at me, like, "Hey, you, like, me? Yes, you. Would you like to join Drive Tribe and speak about cars and stuff? So, yeah, why not?" And I got registered because, I mean, well, um, uh, I'm kind of fan of Jeremy Clarkson and his wits. I like reading his books. I like reading his publications in 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 Sunday uh, Sunday Times, if I'm not wrong. So he, yes. he's a very clever guy. And, uh, and, and you know, like when I see his picture on Facebook pointing and like, hey, join Drive Tribe. I mean, it's something, you know, like we, which I created with Richard Hammond and James May. Why not? So I, I, I joined there and uh, I joined the Drive Tribe before it was officially launched. And what I, when I discovered, um, there, was, there were a lot of uh, professional journalists uh, from car magazines who were generating content. Uh, there was, you know, like one segment of, of earliest drive time. And there was another segment um, which was represented by people who simply, you know, posted pictures of their drives. Like, hey, guys, look what I'm driving. Say it's cool. And I, yeah, it, it was. But there was actually, um, I, I saw this space for myself somewhere in the middle. Yeah, because on the one hand, um, I'm kind of moderate petrol hat. And on the other hand, I, I wanted a bit more than simply pictures, pictures, and pictures. So, and that's, that's where I just, you know, like plugged myself in and I started writing about cars and science. With, as you said, I started combining my two passions and it, it worked out actually. And at a certain moment of time, I simply understood that, hey, I mean, I have like 20, 25 articles. Why not to put all of them in one book and one cover? And, and you have uh, options for self-publishing, and that's what I did. So I took, I collected all the articles, which, you know, at certain moment of times, which, which, uh, which had appeared in DriveTry, 
right? Put them on one cover and publish that. So I mean, the inspiration came from you know Jeremy Clarkson pointing at me. <laughs> wow, what a train of events! That's yeah, that's amazing. It was. I mean, honestly, honestly, if if I was told like five years ago that hey, guy, you'll be giving the interview, you'll be recording for podcast, I mean, I would not believe. Yeah, but it happened. So yeah, thanks. yeah, man. Here you are, and we'll get back to the book in a second. But I must say, it must have been one hell of kind of like a process seeing Drive Stripe when it was like in its super early stages to where it is now. Yeah, yeah like both yeah. of you really. I joined late last year, but you guys have been there since day one. That must have been yeah, all the changes yeah. that you saw. Yeah, yeah, the drive there were so many bugs. Yeah, there were so many bugs, weren't there, Oz? Like either all these glitches, all these bugs. Remember? Oh, I remember yeah, that. yeah, yeah. They were a lot of, and there was the content was different. Um, the, the people I spoke to from the drive drive team, they were they were different people, uh, and there were fewer of them. There was fewer of them. Uh, also. Uh, I mean, they they introduced you know the, 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 that uh, uh, the, uh, the article structure um, and uh, the uh, possibility to add videos to you know to diversify content at the very early stages. I mean, the majority. I mean, my impression was that Drive Tribe aimed to create something like Twitter for petrol hats. So the majority of publications they were short, um, and and right now you have a huge diversity of everything. So yeah. Great. yeah. Oh yeah. It's greatly improved since then. Ah uh, man, it takes me back onto that one. But uh, <laughs> go back to the book. How long? How long? How long was the entire process to get it going and to from combining your articles to it actually printed? Uh, so. Um... I mean, I, I started writing regularly, more or less regularly. If I'm not wrong, you know, that was um, October 20, 2017. Yeah, so that that was the moment when I started, you know, uh, writing and publishing, um, you know, many hundred words long articles. Let's put it this way. Right. Uh, and. Hmm? Yeah, so, and it took me like, and the book was published um, on in, in May 2019. So it took me like more or less two years. Uh, during wow. those two years, I, I wrote around 20 to 25 articles. And I also got in touch with um, Matt Parsons, Matthew Parsons, um, because that was my idea. You know, like initially I wanted to offer something, um, you know, special for Drive Tribe. So and and I, and I joined the tribe, uh, which was you know full of artists and uh, designers, car designers. And by scrolling down, by looking at their pictures, their works of art, I, I discovered Matt Parsons, and I felt that that is the guy, or that was the guy who would actually, whom we'll work out with fine. So and I contacted him, and he just actually he agreed that the idea was, you know, original. And and that's that's how we started cooperating. Um, I was writing articles, he was drawing pictures, and we were publishing all this stuff on Drive Tribe. And afterwards, uh, I took uh, all my articles and 
and gave me permission to to use his pictures, his drawings, and we published the book. So that that's yeah. that's how you know ended up. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Book some of these uh, drawings in here, like um, you know, page seventy one, the machines and human affection revitalizing power. It looks like that's a picture of the car on the front page. Yeah. That, that's one of his drawings, right? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, uh, yes and no. Uh, let, let's put it this oh, way. That is. Yeah. That's one of oh, his yeah. drawings. Yeah. These, these are, these are Matt's uh, drawings. These are... Uh, these are the, but the, the car on the first cover, that's my car. So that's... Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm owner of Mazda Lantis or... You know, in Europe, it's better known as Mazda 323F VA. Okay. Uh, and, and I like that car. It's just, it looks sporty. And yeah, so, you know, and there are three pictures of that car from different angles uh, in that book. So, yeah, the engine, uh, which Charles, you know, just showed us, that's, that's, you know, one of the parts of this car. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember messaging you thinking that this was a Camaro, a fourth gen Camaro. Like, yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> good and and you're like no it's a Mazda I was like wow okay so they look a lot of like all right cool doesn't look much like a Mazda that model in the United States this has never been exported there so yeah, sorry it's it's Latin American market European market Japanese market but you know unfortunately. I mean, you have this kind of model, but in different shell. Let's put it right. Yeah. So, talking about cars, what started your passion with them? I mean, when I was young, I just I enjoyed looking at, at how engine works because for me, you know, when I, I really when I was a kid, like like seven years old, and. Uh, and I, when I saw the carburetor in my dad's car, it reminded me like a, a snake, yes? And I was just kind of afraid of that snake, you know, and it was just moving and trying to, you know, <laughs> and it was hissing and it was trying to attack me, you know? And I was just designing, I mean, not designing, imagining the car as uh, a construct of different fairy creatures uh, or kind of, stuff i don't know, you know i mean there was different stuff there so and i was kind of you know getting attached to this car to cars in general and then you know when i when i um when i moved to warsaw uh, already i was just wandering walking along the street and i saw an old rusty fiat bravo like from mid 1990s yes <laughs> and that was the moment that was the moment when just that that the thought you know like popped up in my head this car, I mean, worked or served, you know, it, his, uh, its owner well, yeah? This car was constructed in, in that particular way, and this car will end up, you know, like on, in a scrapyard in, in a couple of years, I don't know, or weeks or days. So, but for some reason, this particular car was created in this, that particular way. And, and, just, and I just got interested. So the cars appeared to me like symbols of achievement of human civilization because we have cars because we are so freaking smart yes yeah. otherwise they would not exist yeah. and, and just you know, 
I started looking at cars as, as on a masterpiece of technology, as an achievement of humankind. And we are, you know, we are keeping on with developing them, with improving them. So and that's also, you know, the progress, you know, from, from what we had. Like I can compare, like I have the like, cars from 1990s, I can compare it with modern cars. So the progress is enormous. Yeah, yeah. and oh, that's yeah. again I mean I feel proud of myself being a human being. Oh yeah. That it's incredible far- to think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh sorry. I don't want to ruin your thought process, but I had a I had a 1987 Camaro, and then I went from a 1995 Camaro, and then I went to an Explorer, and then I went back to a 1987 Camaro, and then I have a 2009 BMW 328i, so I jumped up in years. Uh, I had a 2003 Buick Century, and now I have a Sun TC. So I've jumped all around, and each car was different in its own way. So I mean, the, the, it's it's the characteristics of a car that really enlighten you and really get you going, get you feeling good, and stuff like that. So that's why I loved mine. So yeah, yeah, totally agree. I, I imagine, like, what what kind of things do you expect in the next ten years, or like in the next twenty years? Because, like, in the 2000s, like, touchscreen was kind of unheard of, and heated seats were just kind of starting to become everywhere, and now they're, like, in the back seats of a compact sedan. It's like, what do you think's going to happen, like, the next 20 years? Uh, you know, I, I, what I can say is that we are developing exponentially, and it's, it's really kind of hard to make any kind of, you know, clear predictions because i mean we may discover tomorrow a new type of engines and this will this this type of engines will completely you know redesign redraw uh, all the car engineering so but but overall i mean for me uh, the major kind of um interesting and intriguing or mysterious issue is what 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 will be the propellant uh, in future? Mm-hmm. Because right now we are having that electric hype. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but overall, you know, if you look deeper in the life cycle of electric car and compare that electric life cycle to internal combustion life cycle, some calculations show that it's more environmentally friendly to drive a new type or the newest um, engineered. Um, you know, internal combustion engines than to deal with yes. batteries, to produce batteries, than to recycle batteries. I mean, uh, and also, I mean, imagine if we all switch to electric motoring. Can you, can you imagine how much electricity uh, will we need? I mean, the world does not produce enough electricity to fuel all electric cars. I mean, you yeah. know, fuel is a bad word, just, you know, like to electrify all the electric cars so yeah uh, that's the issue is for me personally what will be the engine of tomorrow i mean and, and here i mean i i'm I'm, mm, I'm carefully watching what james may does he, okay. he has he has you know vehicles propelled by, by different systems and he says by himself I'm, I'm trying just you know to contribute to science i'm not sure which of these kind of you know 
um, propelling devices, which will be the major one, but I'm curious to discover, I mean, how, how they operate and what are the drawbacks and benefits of each. So uh, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm sure that the internal combustion engines, that they will, the cars with internal combustion uh, engines will gradually lose their popularity. Yeah. Uh, but I am not sure, and I'm very curious to know, what will come instead? So that's... Yeah. If James May yeah, is what the best your... of both worlds there, because he has yeah. the Toyota Mirai, which is hydrogen-powered, I yep. believe, and then they, he has the uh, Tesla Model 3, is it? Is it the Model S. 3 or Model S? S? Or does he have the S? He has the S? I think so. But what are your thoughts of the... What are your thoughts on Koenigsegg's motor, the three-cylinder that they just made? I mean, um, I'm kind of optimistic about the internal combustion engines. Uh, okay. Why? Because, I mean, at least for the nearest you know, decades, uh, because of two issues. Uh, first, we have infrastructure. It's kind of easy to fix internal combustion engines. It's kind of easy to actually to fuel them yeah because we, we have that business in producing fuel and you can you, you have gas stations here and there um and it's i mean there are a few other conveniences that's the first thing and the second thing uh you have uh the best minds uh the best engineers yes they were investing their skills into improving this uh kind of device yeah, starting from Henry Ford even earlier. So you have the a century, more than a century long history of developing internal combustion engine. And right now you have generations of engineers who know how to go further and who are ready to go further with internal combustion engines. So I don't think that all of them will immediately switch, for instance, to electric engineering or yeah. to cell engineering they will keep on doing they will keep on improving uh, internal combustion engines that's what Koenigsegg uh, does that's what Mazda does with its uh, you know newest you know X type engine if I'm not wrong yes so, yes so I mean yeah. we are Honda also works on that so I don't think that internal combustion engine is that but I'm sure that uh, the the popularity of internal combustion engines uh, it'll just, you know, slowly go down in the future. Something else will pop up. Yeah, the, okay. you actually mentioned Mazda. This is something I'd like for you to actually explain, maybe if you can. Uh, so how Mazda's newest, it's what people think is going to be either the RX-9 or a brand new GT car that they're going to make, or the Mazda 6. And that has a rotary engine that powers the electric batteries in the rear and then i think in the front there are hub motors in the hubcaps that power the front two wheels so the rotary will never actually be used as like a rotary engine itself it'll just be used to power the batteries uh, so well uh, guys you know what i like about mazda is that they are kind of experimenting yeah so when I uh, use design, for instance, uh, you know, today the, the trend is to make you kind know, of bulky cars, you know, with very, uh, 
not flashy, glamorous lines whatsoever. And, and Mazda comes with uh, their original design, yeah, so that the Kodos code of design, which is completely different to what is the contemporary trend. Also, I mean, when, when, when you have a downside engine and the world moving to downsizing, uh, to making the engine smaller and putting the big turbine, um, Mazda has two liter motors uh, you know, in atmospheric without any turbines at all. So, and also the same happens with the rotary engines. When, you know, like in, in 1990s or 1980s, and the world was developing straight six, Mazda, okay, let's, let's do something special. Yes, let's, let's create, I mean, rotary engine, which was branded as unfeasible and realistic and reliable by many other manufacturers. So what we have today, this is the continuation of this trend. This is, uh, okay, we have this, we have certain achievements, we have certain school, and let's go further than that. Let's experiment with that. And you have the unique, the world's unique, if it happens, the world's unique combination of rotary engine with electric engine. So, um, I mean, Mazda can do that. Yeah. No other manufacturer works on combining uh, electric engine with rotary engine. Yeah, but for Mazda, why not? I mean, it's kind of, it's something in their blood. So they're doing really, I mean, from my point of view, reliable cars, but they are somewhat special in the tiny bits or in the, in the kind of, in their philosophy. Yeah? So they're going beyond. Yeah, but that's a great way to put it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. That, that's um, what I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I think. Of Subaru. I, I uh, when I think of Subaru, I think of like the safety stuff. Since Mazda's been doing all the engineering stuff, and uh, when I drive Subarus, I feel like mm -hmm. when they get their money and then and they buy their car and people buy their cars and the money they get from that, they're investing it into just safeties just to make every make the people inside safe all the time mm -hmm. and at any thing. So you know. Uh, I'll be I'll be surprised if Subaru and Mazda ever merge, if you know what I mean. You take those two engineers, two engineering aspects, and put it together, that would be uh, weird. Would be a good pair, but it would be like I I would never see that coming. Like I see where you're going no. with it, but I don't see it coming. No. Well, uh, gentlemen, uh, look, Mazda works with Fiat. So that's, I mean, I, I could never imagine that happening. So you have Mazda MX-5, yes, uh, yeah. and you have Fiat Spider, which, yes. I mean, I mean you, they have a lot of in common, let's put it this way. I mean, Italian brand works with Japanese brand. Uh, also, Mazda started cooperating with Toyota. I also didn't expect this to happen, but, but they did. I mean, moreover, Mazda was constantly reiterating that we will keep on working on um, internal combustion engines. But right now with Toyota, they are focusing on electric engines and electric propulsion. So oh, yeah. uh, we, we may speculate, we may theorize about the merger of Mazda and Subaru, um, but, uh, but I, I don't know what's inside of, of their CEOs. So, the top managers yeah. maybe they at certain moment they'll understand yeah that's the word going that way so yeah everything may happen and actually yeah. 
that's I never knew they were actually working on kind of electric power with Toyota. All I kind of focused on that they're also working on a rear-wheel drive uh, six-cylinder platform with Toyota as well, and people are saying that'll actually be a Lexus Mazda mm-hmm. partnership more than it'll be Toyota. And wow. uh, people are saying that that'll be for the next Mazda 6, and then there are some that are saying that, that uh, the Vision Coupe from Mazda, that beautiful concept they made a few years ago, that'll be what the Mazda 6 will become in the next model year. Let's wait and see. I mean, I'm also, I'm also very intrigued by the vision. So uh, I, I want this to happen. <laughs> Let's yes. do this. Right? But I'm, I'm, I'm forward. Okay, that's the concept. Yeah, so it may go in different direction. Yes. Yeah. So... It, uh, speaking of Mazda and everything else like that, is, is your Mazda still your, still your daily driver or no? Yeah, I'm I'm day I'm driving it daily. Um, I mean I, I like driving it. It's not the the fastest car, uh, but uh, I enjoy sharp handling. That's I mean again, James May said that. So if you are driving in the city. You do not need to drive Maserati or Lamborghini or Ferrari or whatsoever, because you would never enjoy these cars. These cars right, yeah. were straight, fast roads off of the tracks. So if you would like to fully enjoy a sports car, supercar, you are you should bring that car to a proper place. Yeah. And then okay. just uh, pull the throttle down and fly away. I mean, another question is. I'm not sure that I would enjoy driving at like 300 kilometers per hour and I would get scared. But that's another question. Uh, So, uh, and what James May said that if you have a proper and nimble city car, it will give you much more fun on on, on, on every road than you'll have on a supercar. So yeah. one of the reasons, for instance, James May likes Fiat Panda or uh, BMW i3, that's because they are nimble. They yes. are not the fastest, but they are fun, fun to drive. Yeah. So, and, and if you can get fun within the, you know, the legal speed limits, why not going there? Why not yeah. you know, choosing that option? That's what I do. Yeah, I don't have the fastest car. But I enjoy it on every corner and every road. And even when I'm just, you know, crawling in a jam, I'm still enjoying that car. You know, exactly. It's that, I mean, that's that's kind of philosophy. And how old is the Mazda? Remind me. How old is it? 20. uh, I mean, this December, on December the 12th, it will be 23 years old. Okay. Yeah, so you that that so must be fun too because you still feel everything in that car as well. It's not where everything's been numbed out by all the electronics of today's cars. Yeah, I, I feel that 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 car speaks to me a lot. I mean, um, I feel a lot of vibrations. I mean, they are they are very tiny, but I feel it in the steering wheel um, and in the throttle pedal. I feel I feel you know the engine you know speaking to me. I, I feel when I'm turning and there is a stone under the wheel i feel it yeah so that car speaks to me a lot and that's what i really enjoy uh, however when you are reaching i mean the the speeds about like 100 kilometers per hour 60 miles per hour um 
these vibrations at a certain moment they start irritating because uh the mirrors are, are shaking yes and i cannot see <laughs> what's going i mean what what i mean i see the car behind me but i can't recognize what what's what's the model uh but however when you reach 140 160 kilometers per hour i mean everything is perfect again i mean the vibrations <laughs> suddenly disappear i didn't know why this happened but but the, you know the critical spot is like 120 kilometers per hour. So when you when you belong uh, around that spot, yeah, so you you feel these vibrations which irritate you. About everything is fine. So that's speed that, and I power mean, solves many many things. Clarkson said it best. Yes, yeah. I mean, uh, speed never killed anyone. It just you know sudden stop would get you. Uh, so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, I, I learned a lot about the car, and I like uh, the feel it gives to me. Even yeah. if I don't like that feel, I still like it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You kind of feel everything about the car, and that's what you enjoy about it. Yep, definitely. Yeah, agree. Does that 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 means you prefer manual transmissions as well, right? A manual gearbox. Uh, well, at this moment of time, yes. But in future, I think that there will be certain um, automatic transmissions which would work in the same way as manual. So you'll be able to opt in a kind of uh, automatic uh, car with an automatic transmission which functions in the same way as manual, if you are kind of battle hat to that extent. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but you know, I agree to that point that, unfortunately, manual transmissions, they are getting outdated. You cannot improve them eternally because we have new technologies, new incoming technologies, which simply work better, which are more efficient. So we need to, you know, to switch something up. I mean, come on. If you look at the first cars, yes, uh, it was very hard to start them. You need to, you know, like to take the crankshaft and just, you know, do some manual labor. Uh, and right now, I mean, when Henry Ford arrived, he introduced that electric starter. And, and, and you feel that this device, it, it became outdated. It's, it's of no need. It was of no need at all, you know, with the invention of electric starter. The same happens, will, probably will happen to manual transmission. It will become yeah. outdated, not because it's bad, but because it's outdated. Yeah, actually, that you bring up a very good point that automatic transmissions will become similar to what kind of manuals are because Hyundai just announced that they're going to be doing kind of a manual transmission without the clutch. So it'll be a computer that does everything. So it'll be shifting through gears as usual, but it'll be all be done electronically. It'll be a little computer that will be talking. It's like, hey, you need to shift now every time that you decide to. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I heard about that. Um, I'm not sure if I would enjoy uh, having no clutch, but yeah, but I heard about that Hyundai's uh, idea. Um, yeah. So, yeah, well, let's, let's wait and see what will happen. But, uh, yeah. but yeah. I think that we have a lot of diversity within that automatic transmission range. Mm. I agree. Now... Uh, what's your favorite classic car then? Oh gosh, that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Can Manchin explain to us everything about engineering, but he can't even tell us your favorite classic car? (laughs) Gosh. Um, I mean, I like cars from the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, Because these cars, for me, they were the starters for for motorization. Uh, And... uh, I like Stanley Steamer, the steam-propelled car. Wow. Uh, okay. Stanley, Stanley Rocket, which set up the world's record for the fastest car. It, it reached, if I'm not wrong, it reached like steam car, reached uh, 204 kilometers per hour. That's Damn. Okay. 140 miles per hour, if I'm not wrong. So that's, that's it was 9010. So, um, I mean, but the steam engine died, steam engines died. So then, you know, probably then my favorite classic car is Ford Model T. Because because, like 30 years in production, um, creation of completely new engineering principles, um, creation of infrastructure to to fix, maintain, to provide spare parts. I mean, that what Henry Ford did, he invented actually the automotive industry on numerous la- layers and connected all these layers to one model, Ford Model T. So for me, yeah. this probably the classic. I mean, probably it's the most important car in the history of you know motoring. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. So, do you have any favorite I mean, I know here that I like Jaguar F-Type or just, you know, Ferrari F40 or whatsoever. No, I'm kind of more um, down-to-earth guy. So, if you have millions of people driving the same car and the car influenced the lifestyle of generations, that's the car, you know, which is the most important and that to, to just, you know, to dream of. That's true. I mean, the Model T is one of the biggest innovations in the car industry that got us to where we are now. I mean, the production line, like you said, with the electric starters, it's like it was all the Model T. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, from time to time, I'll see one or two on the road over here in America. So, I mean, it's not like they're all gone. Oh, no. Yeah, they are still operating, guys. They are, I mean, uh, they are older than your granddads. <laughs> they are still older than my great-granddad, too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, I mean, now they're, now they're all long gone, but, you know. Yeah, they're no longer operating. Ford, yeah, yeah, but since the uh, Ford Model T is your classic, uh, what's your favorite modern car? Uh, my favorite modern car. Now, also, the, it will probably be something um, connected. I mean, I like cars which are close to people, which I can actually afford. Okay. Yeah, so that will probably be Alfa Romeo Giulia. Okay. Ooh, that's one of my favorites, too. It is one so of my that- favorites. So what makes, like, the Julia your favorite out of all choices that you could get now? Why the Julia? Uh, because, I mean, um, uh, 
I, from time to time, I'm dropping into different, you know, uh, auto shows, and I'm getting inside different cars. Right. And what I start feeling in in contemporary cars, um, and that's what I don't like, they are detaching you from from the environment. When you're getting in, for instance, Kia Stinger, yes, you you are locked in a cocoon, or cocoon, yes. So you're sitting. You have no idea what's going on outside. It's just you lock the door. You have the steering wheel, which is nice to feel, but which gives you no information. Um, you are separated, detached from the environment. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah. Renault cars, Renault cars. They are making. They are kind of you know in the security they mentioned. They are making everything very bulky. So the bulky dashboards full of airbags. Uh, your seat is comparatively high. So I do not feel comfortable with all that bulkiness. Yeah. So I like um, spacious cars, small but spacious. Uh, this is the first thing. Um, I like them looking different from other cars on the road, uh, having different lines or having some specific emphasis, which other cars don't have. And I like them speaking to me. I, I, I admire, I enjoy when the car speaks to me, when I'm not detached. Yeah. I'm not against uh, you know, hearing wind in, in, in the windows because wind makes it alive. Yes, you understand that you're moving, you're feeling the speed. And you know, in, in the majority of modern cars, it's just, you know, it makes no sense. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're going like 60 miles per hour or 120 miles per hour. I mean, it's the same feel. I mean, you are sitting detached from the environment. I don't like that. And therefore, Julia, yes, that's that's the, the way to go. Seat Leon, probably the way to go. Um, yeah, so that's, these are the cars. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes, yeah, we don't have, that makes a lot we don't of have sense. Some... That is true. Everything that yeah. you said is true. It's like yeah. some cars you don't feel anything and all that. Julia, I imagine I haven't driven one yet, but I imagine you get a pretty good driving experience out of it. Oh yeah, even it. That's it, it, also between uh, the like the base model, the one that's not the Quadrifoglio. Now with both of them, I got great driving feels. But I have to say, I love the Quadrifoglio just because that exhaust. And the acceleration and the exhilaration it gives you. You're like, yeah, boom, boom. And it's driven through the gears. Oh, my well, God, I love it. I, I totally agree. Yeah, but again, to fully enjoy the Quadrifoglio, you need to have a racing driving license and yeah. unlimited access to a track. Yeah. So yeah. that is what makes Quadrifoglio kind of impractical to me. Because, I mean, I would like to, to, to feel that stuff, the thrill, on a daily basis. Yeah? So, with all due respect to the magnificent engineering of Quadrifoglio, I'm not 100% sure that I would choose that model if I had to buy Julia. Right. So, okay. that's, that's, that's for, I mean, personally my just you know, uh, impression, yeah. my approach. You may not agree to yeah. that. Yeah, I'd settle for I'd settle for a base model Julia or uh, was it the TI Sport or something like that. I would just love to have the quadrifoglio wheels because I just love the bubble wheels, the ones with the circles all around it instead of just the straight lines. And then and I don't want them silver. I want them that like that black or the gunmetal color. 
I, yeah, have, those, I, have, I have some certain standards when it comes these, to that. <laughs> these are the details which make, uh, you know, Italian cars or Giulio Quattrofoli special. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm right now I'm like speaking like Italian. I know why, but just, you know, like I'm <laughs> trying to behave like Italian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the the bubble wheels, those started off on the uh, 4C, right? I think. I think so, yeah. That I was think a fun they, those that. debuted on the 4C. Yeah. Yeah, but um, has anything funny happened to you in a car? Or no, when you're, when you're driving? Uh, when I was driving? I mean, in the car... Mm, which I'm driving right now, I, I can't recall anything super funny uh, or exotic. But uh, when when we had when I was a child, yes, and we had that you know the the masterpiece of Soviet engineering because in in, you know, in 1990, <laughs> well, uh, Soviet cars. Well, so we drove our car which Jeremy Clarkson officially declared to be the worst car ever produced, uh, Lada Riva. We drove it to, to the riverside, just, you know, to span the weekend thing of the water. And we left, I mean, there were no, apparently, air conditioning systems at all. And we left all the windows open. And the cow approached the car, uh, pulled its head inside, started doing our T-shirts, Yes, in the car. And when we approached, we saw a car and the back of the car. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I started laughing like as, as hell, you know, like, and uh, that, was, that was my bad. That was my fault because the car got scared and just, you know, like, and just, it started, started trying to pull the head out. And we had, I mean, the bumps started appearing on the roof of the car. <laughs> so that that was that was you know like the the moment. So we had our like stealing um, you know, material, I don't know, textures torn completely, mm. and we had bumps on the roof. The most environmentally mm. friendly made optical tuning ever. <laughs> so yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was wow. the funniest I can recall. Well, I have to say, must be pretty funny too if you're driving around at your 100 kilometers and you try to look in your rearview mirrors and all your view is this. I get pretty funny too. Not, not this much. <laughs> not this much. Uh, I mean, it's it's it, I, it's original. Let's put it this way. This is the original feature of that original car. So let's put it this way. I, I'm I'm living <laughs> with it, and I'm I'm thinking of that feature in this way. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, when you're driving it, is there a certain song that you like listening to? Or it's whatever you're in the mood for? Uh, so, uh, I mean, works vice versa. Sometimes I'm listening to the radio. Uh, just in a, I'm listening to everything what just implies in me. Um, sometimes I'm in the mood of uh, kind of classical music or Freddie Mercury and Queen. Okay. That, okay. That sometimes happens, but I'm more kind of a '90s rock guy, so I oh, like yeah. Guns N' Roses. Um, I like uh, uh, Nirvana, Alice Cooper, Metallica. 
these kind of uh, Avery Smith, yeah. So, uh, okay, pretty, pretty reckless. Also, that that works well for me because I mean okay. they are kind of dynamic, and I like the sound of electric guitars. Yeah, so I I want that sound to happen. I want to hear the improvisation on on guitars, live improvisation, not electronically made. So that's that's what important for me. Right. Oh, all right. Now, uh, are you a motorsport fan? Uh, not that much. Let's put it this way. I mean, uh, I respect motorsports uh, because it's, I mean, it's, it's unique and it leads to the progress in, in the whole automotive industry. And it also demonstrates the abilities of drivers yes, to, be, to be very skilled. Yeah? So I, I respect motorsport a lot. But I can't say that I'm a great fan because personally, I don't see myself in motorsport. And if I don't see myself in motorsport, and if I'm sure that I would probably not enjoy these kind of speeds, then okay, I'll switch to something else which I'll enjoy more. Okay. So, All righty then. That may sound boring, but, but yeah, I respect a lot, uh, but I'm not that deep in motorsport. Right. All right, and uh, I guess then, um, do you know any motorsport race uh, drivers or that you like or no? Uh, Ayrton Senna. Ayrton oh, Senna, I, all right. When I was a child, actually, uh, I saw that race uh, where in which he died. So, but occasionally, occasionally it was simply... It was being transmitted uh, or broadcasted, and I simply just, I had nothing to watch. So just, you know, like I turned the channel and I saw that moment where, where he, he died. So Sanna, oh, cool. um, Mika Hakkinen, uh, Schumacher, Michael Schumacher. So probably these are, these are the guys uh, which um, pushed the limits of human endurance and, and skills to, to new levels. So, uh, I mean, they are very cool because of that. Yes? So, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Not a doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, now, of the, of the trio, though, back to, like, drive driving all and Top Gear and whatnot, because I want, we want to go there, too. Uh, who do you who do you like the most out of them? Do you like Clarkson, Hammond, or May? Oh gosh, come on! That's I mean, that's a very tricky question. I feel <laughs> like if I could just take kind of a guess, I feel yeah. like you would like Clarkson more, but you have more of like the thought process of May, kind of in the sense that you understand the technicality yeah. behind it. Yes, that's perfect yeah, definition. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Oh, uh, yeah. Clarkson wrote many more books than May and Hammond. Therefore, you, I mean, I can read books, and these books are Clarkson's books. I, I want to read them. Right. And while reading them, I simply enjoy uh, the style, enjoy the, the metaphors, uh, comparisons, the language. So okay, Clarkson, I mean, I enjoy Clarkson's wits. Yeah, but I'm kind of, if you, if you look um, wider or broader, I'm more like James May guy, so uh, more, I mean, the cars should be practical, 
the cars should be close to people, down to earth. They should be fun, definitely fun. But still, they should be they should be reasonable. Yeah. So right. Yeah. That's that's that that's what I like. And uh, as for uh, <laughs> Richard Hammond, I like his creativity because he's. I mean, uh, he's the factor of unexpectedness. I mean, yes. you don't know what to expect from him. So, and just, you know, I'm, I'm, I admire that this kind of ability to be creative and ability to get into situations in which no one else would get into. So <laughs> that's, that's what, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm sure he has much fun in his life. Oh, yeah. yeah. It kind I of reminds me too. of the uh, police challenge they did. And he came out with, it was either Suzuki, I think. It was like a weird Suzuki Jeep kind of thing. I forget what it was. It was like, <laughs> of all cars yeah, you could yeah, have yeah, chosen, yeah. you know, yes. proves your point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were a lot of challenges on Top Gear. And, and if you look at the Grand Tour Adventures, uh, you'll see that the majority of unexpected things they usually happen to to Hammond, to Richard Hammond. Yeah, yeah. So uh, even if he doesn't want them to happen, but yeah, it's right. just just this kind of this kind of person. Yes, uh, and and I find it amusing and amazing. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Do you uh, do you have a favorite top of your Grand Tour moment? Or no? <laughs> or what is it? If you have uh, one. I think that my favorite Grand Tour uh, moment is, I mean, the, 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 the episode is the environmentally friendly cars. So they really gave a lot of thoughts into these ideas. Yeah? So um, where uh, Jeremy Clarkson was driving a bone-made car, uh James <laughs> Bay, yeah he constructed his his car out of bricks so and you know like and and, and richard oh, Hammond full of cars so this this idea i mean i like this this is probably the moment and uh the favorite i mean kind of bit uh from that episode that's when a dog starts eating jeremy clarkson's car because <laughs> it is made of bones yeah. So that that's that's probably the best moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> Actually, should point out May went through a bunch of different iterations of his car then because first yes. I think he started off with mud. Yes. And then it that's went was it hay? Was it uh, hay after that, I think? I mean, I can't exactly recall. I mean, it's just uh I admired that that he created the whole system of, you know, brick manufacturing and he constructed yes. his car out of bricks and it just collapsed under the weight of these bricks so i mean yeah it's he was a, wearing a football helmet with that <laughs> yeah indeed yeah, right because it's it like fell right on his head pretty much i forgot like, about that episode until just now yeah <laughs> that one was funny i remember that yeah. and then, and then yeah. you know there's a uh, farm kana which i also enjoyed a lot you know yeah. jeremy Clark driving uh audi a4 you know geese as subaru impressed but you know again we we didn't notice that yeah 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 but uh to go back to drive tribe do you have any favorite tribes or or no um 
favorite tribes. Uh, I mean, I like uh, tribes which are connected to drawings. Uh, so okay. I like something, uh, something original. I mean, I mean, everything is original there, but drawing for me, it's kind of, um, it's more than simply a picture. It's the dedication of a person. It's, it, it speaks to me. It's kind of emotional. It's also, it kind of has soul. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm paying attention to. Also, I'm paying attention to the publications which go beyond the cars. So not about, you know, for instance, oh, yeah, we have this manufacturer and it presented its new model, whatsoever, whatsoever. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's interesting. But that's kind of not enough. I want to go more. I mean, uh, what really cool innovations does this car bring to life? And how will this innovation influence the automotive industry? What yeah. would be the impact uh, of this particular car on the environment, on the lifestyle, on the comfort? Um, what makes this car so special in respect to design? Yeah. So, uh, as again, as, 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 uh, I mean... This is my personal perspective. The Grand Tour and the Top Gear, they are so popular because the trio does not speak about cars. They are speaking about life and the world around us with cars incorporated into the wider picture. Yes. The Grand Tour is about traveling. It's about sightseeing. It's about discoveries. And they are doing yeah. these discoveries on cars. So cars, they are elements of the broader picture. So this is not auto show, like just, you know, in a narrow sense. Yeah. It's about yeah, the world. Like that. So that's, that's what also I'm trying to find on Drive Tribe. And I can't say that I'm just, you know, fan of a particular tribe. I'm just fan of particular in information. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Well, uh, I mean, I guess now would be a good time maybe to plug your own tribe on there. You have academic driving, your own tribe on there as well, right? Yep. Yeah, go ahead and check that. I'll put the link to that below. Go ahead and join. He puts all his content over there. And like I said, some fantastic articles and videos that he throws up in there. Yeah. But, By the uh, way, yep, I'm oh. in the process of writing a second book. So we have the introduction to academic driving. And my second book will be advanced academic driving or four-wheeled guide, of guide uh, to universe exploration. So I'll be writing about space and cars and all that's extraterrestrial, uh, you know, uh, engineering. So, and you can read my articles, which haven't been yet published in books, in the Academic Driving Tribe. So my newest book will include those articles. And as of now, you can read them only there, only in this tribe. All right. Yeah, I was just about to ask if there's going to be another book in the works, too. So I know once you write one, you might want to write more. And I think you even said that in your book here that you plan on writing more books. I plan to write three books. The second book will be Advanced Academic Driving. And uh, uh, it will be, again, about, uh, about space, you know, mainly about space. Because I'm also a curious... Uh, What's going on somewhere outside uh, of our beautiful planet? Uh, so I'll be just I'm examining what kind of cars will be there. Will they look like we imagine the starship, or you know how the, will the transportation 
be just op operating there in in this you know space environment so i i'll be writing that in my new book yeah but and then the third book uh i i don't know when it will appear but yeah sometime in future what wow. do you think your third book is gonna cover oh no uh, i actually i'm still in the process of discovery <laughs> okay <laughs> let's, let's wait so the first book that was the, the general the introduction to academic driving so the introduction to my perception of the automotive industry yes advanced academic driving this would be you know um, more mature topics and uh, more you know extraterrestrial science right as for the third book i'm still in the process of thinking so i so just need to invent that. So for those who are kind of new to you and academic driving, what is academic driving kind of in a nutshell? What does it consist of? Uh, it consists of cars and science. So, I mean, we have a concept of beauty. We have some things which we consider beautiful. Yeah. Why do yes. we consider cars beautiful? What makes them beautiful? Or yeah. we, for instance, have uh, electro electric batteries. Yes, are they really so groundbreaking? How can we improve these electric batteries? Or, for instance, we have the sun, you know, our beautiful star, and you have Elon Musk telling us that you know that the sun could possibly or can possibly provide us with as much energy as we would ever need. Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah. that or can we make this energy propel our cars? Can we make solar powered car? Yeah. Yeah. Or for Fisker, instance, Fisker gave an attempt of doing that too with the Karma. That I think they were able to get like the giant solar panel to power all the electronics in the car. But keep going, oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I mean, uh, there are there are a few actually car companies uh, which offer sun-powered cars, and they are kind of operational. Uh, so, but you know, I, I wrote it in, in my articles. Also, I mean, okay, can we have nuclear-powered cars? Yeah. So why not? Maybe. I mean, it's possible. Uh, also, it is. another question. Uh, okay, we had steam engines at the beginning of the 20th century, and that was kind of, you know, top-notch technology. Can we yeah. utilize steam engines? Because steam engines, the same as electric vehicles, they do not need to have any gearbox. That's immediate yeah. throttle response. Yeah. So you yeah. just need to take the pressure. And these cars would be very fast and they would be they would will be environmentally friendly because I mean come on, that's water that runs on water. And uh, I'm just you know exploring these things i'm just you know trying to look at the achievements of science uh of the engine i mean the engineering of the beginning of the 20th century is it applicable today or yeah. for instance yes uh specific kind of you know twist you have a lot of different philosophers of the past like aristotle machiavelli name socrates yeah, yeah. uh yeah. What if, for instance, you know, I mean, philosophy is usually boring, but what if <laughs> you take the philosophy of Aristotle, Aristotle, 
and uh, just explain it or use it to explain traffic rules. Yeah? Because Aristotle was speaking about interrelations between people. Yeah, if in traffic rules, uh, well, driving car, you are interacting with other drivers. So you have more or less comparable community. And what if Aristotle invented traffic rules? Oh, you know, street racing, you have Machiavelli. Can Machiavellian principles, Machiavellian philosophy be applied to win street racing? I mean, again, I'm taking boring stuff and using cars to just make them these things more kind of comprehensive. Right. right. And now, uh, I... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, um, do you think the hydrogen cars will actually be something too? Because I know we talked about, uh, we discussed nuclear, we have electric. Hydrogen apparently is one of the better uh, fuel sources that's environmentally friendly because the exhaust turns into water. So mm -hmm. do you think hydrogen will finally be able to be kickstarted and actually a thing like how we see electric cars? It may, uh, but you know, first of all, in order to produce hydrogen, you need uh, actually make the water molecule collapse. So you need okay. to invest already a lot of energy, yes, in just you know detaching these atoms of hydrogen and oxygen from water, and then you are taking those detached atoms of hydrogen and you are making them attach to you know oxygen again and in the process to propel your car. So I'm not 100% sure that this is efficient process. First of all, to just break water down and then to make water back again, yeah? So because of that, I can't say 100% that the hydrogen propelled car, I mean, they will be our future. I mean, they may be, but again, um, we need to invest a lot into the infrastructure. Yes, if we make uh, the process of breaking the water down cheap, then yes, a hydrogen-powered car may may come and replace the others. All right. I never thought about it that way, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've always I've always wondered about hydrogen cars. I've always thought it was cool that the exhaust is just water nothing but, else <laughs> but actually now come to think about it i mean toyota right now with the mirai and actually yep. honda offers it with their clarity you can get a hyundai also with hydrogen yep. there's quite a few hydrogen cars there that i didn't really know about till i actually looked into it but like yes, for cars yeah. like the Mirai, it's being done right now in places where there are hydrogen stations, like in California and Britain mm -hmm. and all of that. So like the technology, I guess it's already there. And all you need for that, just go to the pump and fill your car with hydrogen. You're good to go. Yeah, definitely. Yes, uh, I agree. But but well, if you if you if you look at the numbers or, or the manufacturers of electric cars, there are many more manufacturers with developing the electric industry uh, or electric propulsion if to compare with the hydrogen propulsion. Also, from what I know, again, I may be wrong, but from what I know, Toyota it just gave all its engineering, hydrogen engineering, for free to everyone. 
So the other guys said that we want this you know, technology to be developed and we want hydrogen propelled car to appear on the road. So whoever wants to continue, I mean, take our just sketches, designs, drawings, whatsoever, and just put them to practice, to your own practice. Um, however, still, you know, if you look at the numbers of these hydrogen gas stations in the US and compare them to typical gas stations, we are still kind of have a lot of work to do. Oh my goodness, out. yes. I mean, you can only get a hydrogen car in the U.S. in California, and even that, it's in specific cities in California, because otherwise there's no fuel stations for you. Yep, so, I mean, uh, uh, the car is not about simply, oh, only about just getting in and driving. It's about infrastructure, about fixing. I mean, if something yeah. goes wrong, who will fix hydrogen car? I mean, that's true. Because if you think about it, too, because, like, this is the thing why I personally think hydrogen is better than electric vehicles. You speak of the infrastructure. Once, like, the day comes that, like, combustion engines really start taking, like, a toll on sales now and it's become hydrogen, let's say that's the case, you can start turning gas stations like your local Wawa or Royal Farms into... Uh, hydrogen stations. All you need to do at that point is just like instead of putting fuel in there, possibly make it hydrogen or you know, you can just transform the current pumps into a yes, hydrogen pump. Yes, while, that's while in contrast, you know, a Tesla supercharging station, it needs to be brand new everything. It needs to be brand new places and all of that. And it so, takes forty five. It takes forty five minutes for it to charge. Yeah, I mean, but well, look, guys. Uh, if you look, I mean, my personal discovery was that at the beginning of the twentieth century, before Ford Model T kicked in, there were electric cars. I mean, the yes. beginning of the century that was the era of electric and steam cars. Yeah, but the problem was with the battery. Edison worked on the battery for electric car. But still, I mean, he could not invent anything which would just keep the car moving more than 30 miles. So it was kind of not very practical. And then you yeah. have to spend things charging that stuff. So uh, the electric car industry, this is the industry of electric battery. As just a proper battery is invented, a feasible battery, which is cheap to produce, cheap to maintain, and cheap to recycle, the infrastructure will follow, yeah, because technology changes technology. Uh, steam cars disappeared; they were replaced by electric combustion cars. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, why? I mean, uh, in 1990s, uh, we didn't have smartphones. We were sending SMS, and we were just making a call, you know, regular call through a cell connection. Today, yeah. we are we are using Skype or other, you know internet connected um, applications. So we, we have a completely new technology, which yeah. replaced the outdated one. And you have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of companies who are investing money into these technologies because, I mean, well, these technologies pay off. So it's just, yeah. I think, this is my guess, it's just we have, we invent a proper battery, which can, I mean, make a competition to the internal combustion uh, engine, you will have, a, we will have a drastic switch 
to a new technology, which yeah. will be electrification. Yeah. I mean, this is my guess. Well, I'm I mean, no, no man's guess can be wrong. Be I'm not yeah. sure that our people will be electric. Maybe, maybe not. Yep. Well, then, uh, I think we're going to call it a wrap here. Uh, is there <laughs> anything that we should plug? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, of course, we'll put your Drive Tribe in there, all of that. But is there anybody else people should go follow you at? Uh, I mean, I have Twitter, so that's Eka Drive. Uh, Twitter, then I have Osnir Instagram, and I have also Facebook account. So, Osnir, uh, you can find me on, on Facebook as well. So that's author's page. So I would welcome everyone. And uh, yes, uh, it was my great pleasure to, to spend uh, this time with you, to drop a word, to discuss numerous stuff. I mean, I for myself, I discovered a lot of things. But anyway, I mean, that's, that's the, it's, it's, you know, it's um amazing thing. When you are speaking to smart people, you're also becoming smarter. You know, like, thank you. Thank you for your contribution. <laughs> oh, of course. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been yeah. one hell of a journey talking about all sorts of things. Oh, Genuinely, it my... it's been a blast having you on. Indeed. Oh, my... I enjoyed that a lot. Thank you for having me here. And yeah, so let's continue keeping in touch. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sounds for good. Sure. Sounds good All right, for sure. Everybody. Thank you right, so and, much for watching. Yep, and don't forget to you know like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll see you later. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Take care and goodbye. Bye bye. Bye bye.